I love D-Now. It's my favorite weekend of the year, and it's fantastic, and I'm so grateful. And the reason that it goes so well is your fault. And, and I, I just want to say thank you for that. And especially parents, um, that's the most precious thing God's given you as your students. And you trust me and our team to love them well, to pour into them well. They're going to come home exhausted, uh, but they're going to come home full. Y'all be patient with each other. That connection doesn't need to happen immediately like this. They're going to want to eat, and they're going to want to sleep, and I know they have homework to do, and they still need to make their bed, and they still need to be obedient. They still need to do all those things. Be patient and let them, let them share their heart with you. Um, but thank you, parents, for, for trusting us with them for the weekend and, and being all that and the host homes and everybody that did it. Um, what, what makes you good at something is to surround yourself with people better at it than you are. And I'm surrounded by the best people who love students in all the world. And so I'm super grateful for that and, and what God does with that. Um, this weekend, Danny Wrangle is our speaker. So, Danny, come on up here. And, and uh <laughs> Danny is, is, I've known Danny for a long time. Uh, he, I met him when he was on staff at Zephyr, and, uh, and then God has, has called him continually into deeper and deeper ministry. And now he's the, the high school pastor at uh, Baptist Temple Church, which is in down in McAllen, just about that far north of Mexico. And, uh, and, and I've watched Danny grow and get married to Summer, which is the best part of him, and, um, and, and seen him grow into a man who pursues Jesus. He's not okay with just being okay, and he's not okay with students just being okay. He's not here just to tickle ears, and so they'll think he's funny and nice. He's here to push students down the ancient path so they'll be more like Jesus. And he's willing to do whatever it takes to do that. Um, he will hammer truth at us. He'll tell us stories from his own life. He'll push you off the stage if he has to do that. But he will do what it takes to push us to be more like Jesus. And, and because of all those things, I can forgive him for being a Patriots fan. Um, but uh, but I still love him, and I'm glad you get to hear from him today. Dan, thanks for pointing to our kids. Uh, I didn't share this story uh, first service, but I want to share it real quick uh, because uh, everything Alan just said, uh, I feel the same way towards him. Uh, just the ways that he's pushed me, encouraged me, and challenged me. Uh, I, I was, uh, and maybe I did share it, I don't remember. I may have shared it in the weekend, but I was uh, working at, at Zephyr. I remember it was my first summer. Uh, I didn't know who Alan was, but like a lot of the, the staff that had already been there knew who he was. Uh, and and I, I, he came to me at that moment, and it, it was like, maybe it was like Thursday or Wednesday of that week, and I was just worn out. I was tired. Uh, he said, hey, c- can you get as much of the Zephyr staff and come to our meeting space? And, and I was like, uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know if we can do that. And so I was like, hey, this, this bald dude wants us to go over there. And that's what I told our and, – and so they're like, oh, yeah, Alan, sounds good. All right, so, so we go over there, and I don't know what we're doing. Maybe I'm thinking, like, we're going to work, we're going to clean. Maybe someone broke something, so we're going to go fix something. I don't know. Uh, and when we walked into the meeting space, there was, like, like a, a chair of uh, – a circle of chairs lined up. And Alan said, hey, I want you guys to sit on these chairs, and, and our students are going to pray over you. Uh, and that was just like like nothing um, more than just as God's timing in that moment. Uh, I needed that in a huge way. I was tired and I was worn out, uh, and I was just I wanted to go to sleep, uh, but I needed prayer more than anything. And that was the moment that I met Alan. Uh, and since then, we've just been pushing each other, uh, hopefully to be better uh, towards this ancient past. So I love Alan in a huge way. Uh, I love stealing his ideas because he does a lot of awesome stuff. So uh, that's what I do. Uh, like Alan said, I, I am a high school student pastor at BT McCallum, McCallum, Texas. Uh, if you don't know where that's at, like you said, just really, just a bit north of Mexico. Like, like you're almost there. If you if you if you don't know where you are in the valley, uh, just stop and ask for directions. Because if you just keep on driving, you're gonna end up in another country. So be careful with that. All right. Uh, it's really hot there. It's the hottest place in the entire world, in my in my belief. 
Uh, I've really enjoyed this weekend because I've been able to wear a sweater, wear a jacket. It's been great, right? I looked at the weather on Tuesday. It's supposed to be like 90 degrees in McAllen. So please pray for us. We're going to need prayer. Um, The only place you can go swimming and wear shorts in February. So it's awesome. Uh, and, and, but what I love about McAllen, Texas is that it's in the valley. It's close to Mexico. That means that we have the very best Mexican food. We have the best tacos. So it's all worth the hotness of eating a great taco. So I love that place. Uh, so much so I'll tell more about McAllen here in a little bit. Uh, so all weekend long, we've been focusing on, uh, this ancient path. Jeremiah 616. Uh, I believe it's going to be on the screen maybe. Uh, but it says to stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said we will not walk in it. So they're doing some work there. But, but, but here's the formula of the ancient path. We're told to do four things. Stand, look, ask, and walk. And so all weekend long, we've been doing work with those four words. We've been doing work with Jeremiah 6.16. Um, and, and so we're going to do that one more time uh, here this morning. So I want to ask you guys, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Jonah. And we're going to walk through this ancient path one more time and then send you guys out as you journey on your ancient path. And so uh, open up to the book of Jonah. We're going to look at his story here in a second. And as you guys are doing that, what I want to do is, I know there's a bunch of people in this room that maybe uh, you weren't a part of the sessions this weekend, so I want to recap what's going on. I want you to be able to uh, similarly be on the same level as your students, and I want you all to hear what these students has heard all weekend long on Friday night, on Saturday morning, on Saturday night, and I want you to, to hear how they were challenged. That way you parents and adults can, can continue to challenge them. Uh, so the first uh, reality that we looked at is that in this ancient path, in this journey that we're on, we're going to come across points where we're going to hit a crossroad in our life. And so at that moment, when we hit that crossroad, we have a decision to make. Right? We go this way, do we go that way, right? So in our ancient path, we're going to hit a crossroad in our life. And what we do in that crossroad is so crucial in our walk with Christ. And so the decisions that we make in that moment matters heavily, right? So what we choose, and here's the reality, every crossroad that we come across requires a choice and every choice that we make has a consequence that comes along with it right and so we looked at different crossroads uh, throughout the weekend so the first crossroad we looked at on friday night was the very most important crossroad that we're going to face and that's the crossroad of the cross right what do we do with the cross what do we do when the journey that we are on comes into collision with the cross what do we do when our journey comes into collision with jesus christ right the one who went to the cross and so the story that we looked at was mark chapter 10 verse 17 through 22 the story of the rich young man right Uh, Other parts of the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. This guy in this moment had everything he could possibly want. He's got the money. He's got the fame. He's got the power. He's got the authority. Everything he could possibly want until he finally realizes that there's one thing he doesn't have, and he wanted it, right? And he goes up to Jesus. He stands, he looks, and he asks Jesus, says, hey, man, how do I inherit eternal life? What do I have to do, right? And then Jesus gets to the heart of this guy right away and says, here's what you have to do. You have to get rid of all your stuff and come follow me. Right, two powerful words that I believe are the start of the ancient path. And this guy uh, takes what he adds externally and tries to challenge him internally. And, and in that moment, this guy did all the right things that we're taught to do with the ancient path. Stand, look, ask. Except when, we, when he got to the walking part, he looked at his stuff and he looked at Jesus and he chose his stuff over Jesus and he walked in the wrong direction. So my hope for everybody in this room, not just for the students, is that whenever we stand, look, and ask and walk, Uh, that we would walk in the direction that Jesus is leading us. In that moment, Jesus was wanting to grab hold of him and point him in the right direction and say, don't worry about your stuff. I know they bring you satisfaction for a little bit, but I'm going to bring you satisfaction for for the rest of your life, and so just come follow me, right? 
And that was the challenge that Jesus gave. And that's the challenge that we have when we come to the crossroad of Jesus. And then last night, we looked at the crossroad of obedience, right? Obedience for me is listening and doing the commands of the one who is in authority over you, right? And so if your parents tell you, wash the dishes, these students, what do you have to do? Wash the dishes, right? So now moms and dads, you know. When you, they know now, right? They're ready to wash dishes, right? So that's the first step of obedience. So they're ready for that. So obedience is listening and doing those commands. But here's the thing. Oftentimes in our lives, we want the big things before the small things, right? We, we, we want to take the car out before taking the trash out, right? And, and, and so what happens is we looked at a story of a guy named Moses in Scripture. We know a lot about Moses, right? We know Moses was the guy that went up to Pharaoh, was like, let my people go, right? And Pharaoh didn't want to do that, so God sends the plagues. And then we know that Moses was the one who led the Israelites out of slavery after they'd been there for 400 years. We know that Moses was the one who led the Israelites to the Red Sea, put a staff on the ground, the Red Sea parted, and it was just a crazy miracle of God, right? And we know that Moses was the one who went up on the mountain and wrote the commandments and wrote the law. And we know all these big things about Moses. And we can look at Moses' character and think, man, this guy is fearless. I want to be like Moses. But here's the thing about Moses. If you go to Exodus chapter 4, when God called him to go do the things that he wanted him to do, Moses didn't want to do any of that stuff. He said, God, who am I to go do that? God, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to believe me. Send someone else, right? Moses had all these excuses. But in that moment, rather than God giving up on Moses, God said, hey, what's that in your hand? And he had a staff in his hand. God said, throw it in the ground. And he threw it in the ground. It became a snake. God said, pick it up. And then he picked it up, right? And then God said, put your hand in your cloak. And he put his hand in his cloak. And God said, take it out. And Moses looked at it. And it was white and leprous. He probably freaked out a little bit, right? God said, put it back in your, in your cloak. And he puts it back and it was restored, right? In those moments before God used Moses for the big things, God used Moses. Uh, he wanted to teach Mo- Moses that before you go after the big things, you have to take small steps of obedience first. And so in this ancient path, we're called to take small steps of obedience before going after the big things. So right now, after this amazing weekend that you guys just had, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to, like, like, like you're, maybe you're thinking, like, I'm ready to go across the world and tell people about Jesus. But, but we have to remember, we've got to go across the street first. We've got to go to that school that we're a part of. We've got to talk to that person that, that's sitting next to us in math class that we never talked to all, all year long. Right? It's those small steps of obedience that are going to lead us to the ancient path. I'm excited about today. We're going to talk about one more crossroad. And the crossroad that we're going to talk about today is this, the crossroad of temptation. So now that we know all this information, now that we've gathered all this information up, now that you've dissected and opened up Jeremiah 6.16, you've opened up, you cut it open, you smelled it right, you, you looked at it, you read it, you studied it. Now that you have all this knowledge, what are we going to do when we walk out these doors? And how do we now walk in the ancient path? And so here's, here's my simple, like I'm a real simple person. I love simplicity. I love, and I feel like whenever uh, I want to know something about God, I love the simple things because it just helps my mind understand. So here's the thing. The start to walking in the ancient path is this. Very simple. It's not rocket science. It's just looking forward, right? In order for us to walk in this ancient path, we have to look forward. So one time I, I was, uh, I think I was on YouTube. I, I don't remember where I saw this video. Uh, but I saw this video one time, and it was like a, like a, news, a news reporter. Uh, it was a news team uh, talking about a story that they were uh, interviewing a family of something that happened to a teenage girl. So this teenage girl, she was walking on her side while wa- walking in the street. Uh, and it's kind of a sad story. She, as she was walking, there was a sewage hole, and it didn't have the cover thing on it. And as she was walking, she fell in the sewage hole. Right? Imagine that. Smelly, right? So she fell in, she had all these marks on her body, and, and her and her mom were complaining to the news, like, that hole should have been covered, if there's nothing, they should put cones around it, and, and they were just complaining about what had happened to her, right? But here's the thing, what happened as they kind of hashed out the story, is that the reason she fell, because as she was walking on her sidewalk, she was doing this. She was looking down the whole time. 
right? And I'm just thinking as I'm watching, like, all you have to do is look up. When you look up, you, you see ahead of you, and all of a sudden you see there's a hole there, so that way, like, you can just kind of, like, do this and walk around it, right? But she was just, like, looking down the whole time, and so many times in our paths and our journeys, we're looking down, we're looking this way, looking that way, looking behind us, and, and we're not looking ahead, but the ancient path calls us to look forward, right? And when, I was in, uh, when I was in junior high and high school, I loved playing sports. Uh, but the sport that I really, uh, like, just stuck, stuck and, and held on to uh, was cross country. And some of you are thinking, you crazy. I was crazy. That's what I think right now, right? Uh, but here's the thing. I get motivated by a lot of things, right? Well, when I read a book, when I watch a movie, or when I listen to a song, I get so motivated by those things. And so uh, I'm not sure if you guys have ever seen uh, Captain America Civil War. It's one of my favorite movies. I love Civil War. Uh, but there's a scene. It's like the best scene ever, uh, and I love it. But there's a scene where Captain America is trying to get Winter Soldier. He's trying to fly away on a helicopter. He has his hand on one thing, and he has his arm in the helicopter. He's, like, flexing it, right? And, like, he's holding like this, and he switches. And I'm like, why would you do that? Like, you don't have to switch, right? And he does that. You just see his bicep, like, bulging. And so when I see that, I, I tell Summer, like, hey, uh, I think I'm going to go to the gym right now. I just want to go work out, like, or just do a couple of push-ups or something, right? Because when I see that, I get motivated to want to go work out, right? And so when I was in seventh grade, I, I saw it's another movie. Uh, I get motivated by movies a lot. I love movies. And so uh, when I was in seventh grade, I saw this movie called Prefontaine. I'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of it. But it, it's, a, it's a movie about a story of a guy named Steve Prefontaine. Uh, he was a runner for the University of Oregon back in the 70s, ancient times, right? Uh, just kidding. Uh, some of you are like, what? Uh, but he was a runner for the University of Oregon, and this guy transformed their track program their, and everything, right? And his head coach was Bill Bowerman. That's, that's one of the guys who started Nike, right? So all y'all wearing Nike shoes. Uh, like Prefontaine was one of the first dudes to, to promote Nike, right? Uh, this guy transformed that, and, and so I loved watching that movie. Uh, and after I watched that movie, I, I started thinking, like, man, I can do that. I, I can run, right? And, and from seventh grade, I just started running, right? So seventh through twelfth grade, uh, I, I joined track, joined cross country, and I loved it, right? I would wake up in the morning uh, before school, and I'd go run, like, eight to ten miles. And, and now I look back, I'm like, what were you doing? That's crazy. How would you do that? I'm lucky if I run eight to ten minutes right now, right, and I get all tired and gassed out, right? Uh, but when I saw that, I was like, I want to be a part of that. I want to do that. Uh, and I was blessed to be a part of a team that, that traveled to Round Rock a couple of times because we had our state meet here at Old Settlers Park. Uh, whenever we made it up to here, that's when we got beat, right? But we made it all the way over here, and it was great. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, I think we have a picture of Steve Prefontaine. Uh, I love this picture. When I was a kid in high school, I used to have this picture uh, uh, up in my wall poster, right? So this is him. So what he would do is, is pretty much in every race that he ran, he, he ran the 5,000 meters uh, and the 10,000. Every race that he ran, when he would finish the, the cross the finish line, he would look back to see how far behind the guy in second place was. And you can even, like, look down that stretch. You don't even see anybody. Right? That's how good he was. And so I, mean, I would watch this movie over and over, and I would, I would look at this dude and study this dude, and I was like, man, it's a sick mustache. I kind of want one of those, uh, but never got that. Uh, but, but he would do that. And oftentimes when he was running, he would look behind him to see how far back he was. Uh, because, and, and what would happen is, is when I would do that, I would look at this guy and I, I thought, I can do that. So I'd be running a race, and even if I wasn't in first place, I would just do that. Like, I would just look back and see how far behind he was. What do you think my coach's reaction was? Chewed me out. He's like, what are you doing? Don't focus there. Focus over there, right? And he keeps pointing me in the right direction. And because what happens is whenever we look back, we start focusing on things behind us and it starts to slow us down, right? And especially when we're going down to the finish line, and I love cross-country meets because they have, like, the big old stage there, right? And you're going across the finish line, and a lot of times we look back because I feel like because we want to be able to slow down, right? And maybe we think in our minds, like, if I, if I can, if there's no one really that close, I can slow down and still finish this race before I beat, and I can still beat that guy, right? But the thing is, my coach instilled in us, like, don't worry about that person. I'll tell you how far away he is. You just keep your eyes focused over there, right? 
And so here's the thing. I loved running. I had a passion for it. I don't have passion for it anymore, right? That's why I use the word love, past tense, really important. Um, but I had a passion for that, and I loved it, right? And so we're going to look at a story in Scripture of a guy that I believe also loved to run. His name is Jonah. Let's read the story. We're going to start in chapter 1, look at verse 1. We're going to read about 12 verses, and then we'll talk about his story. It says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up, come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down to it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a, a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a, a thought to us that we may not perish. Verse 7. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? And what country are you from? And what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that it is the tempest has come upon you. Let's pray really quick. Father God, I pray that you just continue to show us something new this week. God, as we have our last session of discipleship now weekend, as parents and adults and the church is gathering together right now, God, that we would rally around what, what you're doing here in this moment. God, that, that these students would push adults, that these adults would push these students to the ancient path. God, teach us something new about you that we didn't already know. We love you, we praise you. Amen. Let's walk through this story. It's really good. So when it comes to our relationship with Christ and the mission that the ancient path calls us to, it's very simple. How do we walk in the ancient path? Well, we, we walk by looking forward, right? Uh, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 says, Forget what lies behind, strain forward to what lies ahead. I want to, I want to read one more to you. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. I love this, this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Schiffer. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2. Let us run this race with endurance. Let's lay aside everything that's holding us back from running this race with endurance. You know what that means? It means don't turn around, right? Because when you turn around, it slows you down. When you have that weight that's holding on to you that we're afraid to let go of, to follow after Jesus, it's going to weigh us down, right? He says, don't worry about that. Just keep your eyes focused on Jesus, looking to Jesus, the author, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? And I love the phrase that, that this passage says right before that. It says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, I want to challenge you guys, if you've never done this, go, go home tonight and read uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It's a great, great chapter, great passage. 
in that, you're going to read, by faith, this happened. By faith, this happened. By faith, this happened. Over and over and over and over. It's super repetitive, but I love it. And what's going on is that in that chapter, uh, God is, is telling us stories about a bunch of people who walked through the ancient path, right? A bunch of people who, who chose to look forward. He said, since all these people chose to look forward, we can do the same thing as well. Let's look at their witness and let's walk forward, right? And I believe that's what God is calling each and every one of us here at Central to do this weekend and beyond. That some of you guys, you've been on this ancient path maybe since you were a kid, and now you're an adult, and you have kids here sitting in this room, right? That now as you're doing that, you're a witness to them. You can push your son or daughter. You can push someone else's student. I did that yesterday, right? I pushed the student off stage. You can push other people towards the ancient path, right? And for students and, and, or maybe someone else, maybe, maybe you just started your ancient path. Maybe you just made that decision. Allow someone to push you. Allow someone to help you in that. Use other people as a witness to how to walk in this ancient path. We have to look forward, and I believe Jonah struggled with that. Let's kind of walk through his story, starting back in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, and God said, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. I feel like I relate to Jonah pretty well, right, because we're both runners, right? God spoke to us, told us to do something, right? But here's the thing. Whenever God spoke to Jonah, he told Jonah, Go to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? He didn't go to Nineveh, right? He went the other way. Right? And, and, and I can kind of like understand a little bit why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because if you, if you read about what God wanted Jonah to do, he said, go to Nineveh, their people are terrible, go tell them how terrible they are. Who wants to be that guy, right? It's like, Jonah, go there and go tell them how terrible they are, right? So, I mean, I, I kind of understand a little bit why Jonah maybe was like, I don't want to do that, right? But it's funny because Jonah could have just said, I don't want to do that, I'm going to stay where I'm at. But he's like, I don't want to do that, I really don't want to do that, so I'm going to run away that way, right? And he just goes the complete opposite direction, right? He flees away from the presence of the Lord, or so he thought. That's what he was doing, right? So what did Jonah do instead? He ran. Right? Rather than looking forward to what God was wanting him to do, he looked behind and went away from the presence of the Lord. And I believe maybe Jonah probably was in a good spot. Maybe he, he was just living a, a solid life, just, just enjoying his, his comfortable lifestyle. And maybe Jonah in this moment was, was just enjoying everything about his life. But then God told him this. God said, hey, Jonah. I, I know what you're doing. I know you're enjoying life, but, but I want you to go to a different place. I want you to go to a different people group, a, a, a group of people that I love deeply. And I want you to go to them, tell them about me, because that people group is facing judgment. And that was the challenge that God had given to Jonah in this moment. But Jonah said no. Jonah was a runner, right? So then Jonah takes off, and then he jumps on this ship. He pays the fare, jumps on the ship, uh, and he, maybe he's thinking like, all right, I'm good. I'm solid, right? So he gets on the ship, he falls asleep, and all of a sudden this huge storm comes, right? And in this storm, it says that the wind is so great that the people on the ship, the mariners, were afraid of the storm, right? To me, that tells me that this storm was huge because if you think about these guys, they know water, right? They've been on the sea before. They're not afraid of the water, but all of a sudden when the storm came, they were deathly terrified, and they were throwing stuff off, and they are trying to figure out what's causing the storm, and they are like, you pray, you pray, everybody pray, let's go do this together, right? And nothing, nothing is, is getting fixed, and all of a sudden they find Jonah and say, wait, who are you? Why are you on this ship, right? And, and, and they ask Jonah who he is, and Jonah rightfully recognizes God in that moment. He says, well, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God who created the sea, the God who created dry land. They said, well, what do we have to do? And Jonah said, throw me off, and it'll get better. And so they throw Jonah off, right? But here's the thing. In that moment, Jonah chose, right, every crossword requires a choice, every choice has a consequence. In that moment, Jonah chose not to be obedient towards God. And here's the thing, it didn't only affect him, but it affected the people on the ship as well. Every time we're disobedient towards God, it's not just going to affect us, it's going to affect other people as well that are around us, right? 
And so we have to understand. So what they do is they throw Jonah off. All of a sudden, the storm goes away. They're probably thinking, like, man, I really wish I had my cargo. I threw something really important off, right? All I do is throw Jonah off first, right? They throw him off. And Jonah, rightfully recognizing that God is the one who created the sea, and it was God's sea, uh, a sea creature in there that God had created that used, that God used to grab Jonah's attention. And we know the story. Sea opens up his mouth, takes Jonah, has three days of quiet time inside the belly of a fish, right? Best place for a quiet time, I would imagine. I don't know. Right? No distractions, right? In that moment, three days wrestling with God, wrestling maybe with faith versus fear, trying to be obedient towards God. And then, and then God spits him out, and then God's like, you ready to listen? Right? Now they have your attention. And maybe Jonah in that moment is like, all right, God, I'm ready to listen. Right? Tell me what you want me to do. Look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Right? Notice this. What God wanted Jonah to do did not change. He told him to do the exact same thing, right? And maybe all weekend long you've been wrestling and struggling with what God wants you to do, and all of a sudden you realize that's what it is, but maybe you're like, God, I'm ready for, for you to use me whatever way you want. But then he tells you the exact same thing that maybe he told you last Wednesday night or the Wednesday night before, right? God's message and his mission for us, he's going to keep hammering at us. It doesn't change. And what I love about this is that God called Jonah, and, and he didn't give up on him, right? We talked about that last night, that God called Moses, didn't give up on him. He kept prepping him, right? God grabbed Jonah's attention and sent him out. Sent him to do the exact same thing that he wanted him to do in chapter 1. Look at what Jonah did this time. Verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Students, what's that called? Obedience, right? Now he's listening, right? Now he, he rose and now he goes to Nineveh. I love what happens. It's so good. According to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly a great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Now, I, I love teaching. I love being able to share my story. I love being able to talk to students every single Wednesday night. I love hanging out with adults Sunday morning. And I love being able to pour into people. But Jonah said one sentence, and people believed in God. I'm like, man, I wish it was that easy. Why do I have to share my whole story? Why can't I just get up here, say one thing, everybody believes in God, we go home, and everything is great, right? But what it's showing here is that this was God doing the work, and he just wanted to use Jonah in the process, right? There's nothing special about Jonah in the moment other than he just finally decided for God to use him, right? So God had a huge plan for Nineveh, and so here's, here's what I want to say about the ancient path. Here's what I want to say. The ancient path... Whenever we choose to join the ancient path, it calls us to something bigger than ourselves. Right? God called Jonah specifically to Nineveh because he had huge plans for Jonah in that moment. God called me specifically to McAllen because I believe maybe he has huge plans for McAllen that moment and other people as well. God has called you specifically here to Round Rock because I believe God has huge plans for Round Rock. Right? But, but we're talking about this. We're talking about the crossroad of temptation. And the temptation I want to focus on first is the reality of this, that sometimes we are tempted to not do what God is calling us to do. Temptations aren't always like, yeah, I struggle with drugs, I struggle with alcohol, I struggle with this, I struggle with lust, I struggle with that, right? Those are temptations and they're real, right? But sometimes the temptation we struggle with is not doing what God is calling us to do, right? And that was the temptation that Jonah just faced right here, that he didn't want to go where God was calling him to go. I relate to Jonah heavily in that. I shared with you all last night that I came to faith my junior year of high school. So before 
uh, coming to faith in Jesus Christ, I lived a pretty reckless lifestyle from my freshman, sophomore, most of my junior year. In and out of relationships, in and out of parties, living a life of a path that's way opposite of going towards God, right? But then God changed my life, right? And in that moment, as I was in McAllen, in that area, in Edinburgh, and as I was, like, driving around town, I just told God, like, God, get me out of this place, right? Take me forward, right? And then he took me to Camp Zephyr, and I was like, sweet, we're a little bit north. We're at least past the checkpoint. We're good now, right? And so we, so we go forward, and, and, and my, my, my prayer towards God was always, God, send me north. Maybe that wasn't really my prayer. That's just what I wanted God to do, right? Send me north and keep, keep sending me forward, right? Send me to San Antonio. Send me to Austin. Send me to Dallas. I don't care where. I just want to get out of here, right? And as I spent some years outside the valley, not too far, about two hours north, not, but it's a little bit more than, than, than nothing, right? As I spent some time outside of the valley, outside of the McAllen area, after a while, God said, hey, I want you to go back. And then Summer and I started talking about it, and I was just like, I don't know if I want to do that. I had this fear of going back to that area, and God said, hey, I think like, I'm calling you to go back. And now what I get to do as I drive around and as I minister to students is oftentimes I go to that same area, and I pass homes, I pass areas, and I pass my high school that I, that I graduate from, and it reminds me of my past. And I think about the things that I used to do, and I think about the choices I used to make, and all of a sudden God said, hey, I'm restoring all this. And now I have been given the amazing opportunity to go reach out to students who maybe are just struggling with the same thing. And God said, that's why I have you back. Right? So here's the thing for you guys. Right now you're going to walk out these doors. You're going to say bye. You're going to give everybody a hug. You're going to be excited to see your parents, hopefully. right? Uh, and you're going to go home. You're going to watch the Super Bowl. You're going to take a nap. But what's going to happen tomorrow, right? As we now start the walk of the ancient path, as soon as we walk out these doors. And so many times we think that the mission that God's calling us to be, to be on it is whenever we go to another country. Or whenever we go overseas, right? But, but God's calling us on mission right here. And it's, it's right here that God wants us to go after with everything that we possibly have. And maybe the temptation for us is we don't want to do it. God, call me somewhere else. Not, not here. Those, those, those students know my story. They're not going to believe me. They're not going to listen to me, right? But maybe God is calling us right here. I understand Jonah's temptation. Jonah finally was obedient to God. And when I think about Jonah living his normal life, living the lifestyle he was, God called him to go somewhere else for the sake of people that he loved because those people were facing judgment, right? Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe right now God is telling you, hey, I want you to go to this place. I want you to leave what you're doing. I want you to, to go, to, to get away from that old lifestyle that you had. And I want you to believe that something actually happened to you here at Discipleship Now Weekend. And what I want you to do is go to the people that I love. Go to that student that I love. Go to that home that I love. Because they are facing judgment because the wages of sin is death. And then God is calling us to those people. God is calling us to go exactly there. I want you to think about Jonah. And now what I want you to do is I want you to think about Jesus. Jonah enjoyed his life. Maybe was living a comfortable life. God called him to an uncomfortable place. Jesus, high and lifted up in heaven, living a comfortable life, being ministered to by the angels. When Jonah said no, Jesus said yes. God said, Jesus, I want you to go to another place. I want you to go do a different thing. I want you to go to a group of people that I love that are facing judgment. Jesus said yes. 
And then we get the miracle birth of Jesus, and we get Jesus growing up, and then we get Jesus beginning his ministry. And what I love about Jesus is that, that he's a God who understands us, right? Because it wasn't only Jonah who faced the crossroad of temptation, but Jesus faced his crossroad of temptation as well. Matthew chapter 4, beautiful chapter, go read it. But in that moment, the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, right? For 40 days fasting, not eating, right? The devil knew everything that Jesus was, was maybe struggling with, this, with in that moment, that everything that Jesus was being tempted with, right? He, he knew exactly how to tempt him. Whenever you leave these doors, the enemy is going to know exactly how to tempt you. He's going to know what to do, what to say, what to put in front of your face, right? He knew that with Jesus. So, so what did he do? He said, hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry, man. It's been 40 days. You see that rock turning into food. Jesus said, I can't do that. And Jesus quotes scripture. And he, he takes Jesus and he takes him to the high pinnacle part of the temple, right? He says, hey, you know what would be cool? Jump off. The Bible says the angel's going to protect you. Nothing's going to happen to you. Jump off. And the people there are going to see that. And they're going to be like, oh, who is this guy, right? So, so first he was tempting Jesus with pleasure of food, right? Second, he was tempting Jesus with, with, with popularity, right? Saying, you want them to come to you, go do this right now. They'll come to you, I promise, right? Jesus said, hey, I can't do that. Quote scripture. And then he, he takes Jesus and shows him... All the kingdom says, hey, Jesus, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. Jesus says, I can't do that. Quote scripture, right? If you remember last night, God told Moses, what you have in your hand is all you need. As you walk out these doors, what you have in your hand is all you need. And we also need each other. Pushing each other towards the age of path. Adults pushing students, students pushing adults, right? So when you face the crossroad of temptation, it's going to happen as soon as you get your phone back. When you face that crossroad of temptation, press into God's word versus pressing into the phone that you have, right? And here's the thing. Last night I challenged you. We're thinking about the next three years. you all remember that? We talked about the disciples. When they chose to follow Jesus, they didn't just go from following Jesus. Next day started the church, right? And all of a sudden 3,000 souls were saved. You all going to learn about that on Wednesday night because Alan's going to walk through the book of Acts. But it didn't happen from one day to the next. It happened after three years of faithfully following after Jesus, three years of listening and learning and watching him and, and taking steps of obedience, right? So last night I challenged you, what are you going to do for the next three years? But here's what I truly believe. Forty days in the wilderness that Jesus spent. For the next 40 days, I want to challenge you to press into God's word because what's going to happen is this. Here's what I truly believe. What you do in the next 40 days is going to be of huge implications for what takes place in your life for the next three years. And then we're going to see what happens after that. And you're going to continue to serve and continue to love. But it happens by taking those steps of obedience, following after him with everything you have, and allowing each other to push each other to the ancient path. Let me pray over you. Father God, you're good and we love you. Man, God, this was a powerful weekend. God, this was a weekend that you orchestrated long before we even knew about it. God, that you knew every single student that was going to be sitting in this chair, every single adult that was going to be sitting in this chair. And God, you knew everything that was going to happen. And God, as you continue to challenge us, as you continue to reveal the things to us that we have to let go, God, I pray that you would move in a mighty way as we get ready to walk out these doors. God, I pray that we would not forget what happened this weekend. I pray that we would not allow this weekend to just be a weekend, but this would be the start of a crazy ancient path. And, God, that we would look at at this weekend three years from now and just say, man, God, you did an awesome thing. And we can see the fruit of that three years from now. God, I pray for the next 40 days for these students. 
I pray that they would choose to press into your word each and every day, taking small steps. If it's five minutes, it's five minutes. If it's 50 minutes, it's 50 minutes, God. But taking those small steps of obedience towards you. God, thank you for the cross. I thank you for Jesus saying yes. That Jesus would leave his comfortableness and go to a place that's uncomfortable and love people that you love. And show how much he loves us by way of going to the cross. Now, by our faith in him, we get to have eternal life. And our paths are forever changed. God, you're good. Keep doing a work in our lives, God. Don't let this work stop right now. We love you. We praise you. Amen. My Jesus.